0: you hit the nail on the head with saying like there's never a balance because there's just not there will always be something that comes out ahead at any given season
1: welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos, And this podcast is especially made for you if you are a highly ambitious businesswoman. You take your business very seriously. And you know that this entire experience is one long journey. Welcome to the entire Biz Women Rock community. There are thousands of other women entrepreneurs just like you who are on this journey with you. My job here at the podcast is to be able to give you some insights, really deep and soul-fulfilling conversations about this journey, strategies that might help you along, and words of encouragement so that you can have the most joy possible. You're jumping into a special series that I'm running right now called the Mompreneur Series because... Not only have I been a mompreneur for the past two and a half years, but there are so many other women entrepreneurs who also are mothers. Now, whether you are a mother or not, I promise you that listening to each and every one of these incredible conversations with these women will teach you something at least one or two nuggets that you will walk away with that will allow you to maybe work your business a little bit better, implement a strategy that somebody talked about. And most importantly, make you feel connected and that we are all in this game together. So enjoy the Mompreneur series on the Biz Women Rock podcast. Video marketing, creating schedules that work for you and that are ever evolving, and potty training. We're talking about it all on today's episode. Jessica Stansberry is a rock-solid infopreneur who helps people create video marketing that makes an impact and makes them money. She also has two boys, ages seven and five, and is heavy in the soccer mom phase. During our conversation, Jessica and I talk about the process she went through to get her from chaos to clarity, the moment when she decided to take her business seriously and grow it intentionally, which led her to YouTube initially just to house her videos so she could embed them on her blog. But when she stepped back and looked at her analytics and realized how much traffic was coming from those videos on YouTube, she decided to recalibrate and create a new strategy. That was June 2017, and back then, she had 500 YouTube subscribers. Since then, with an intentional strategy, she has grown her subscribers to 8,600 people. Jessica gives us a snapshot of her life right now, which includes her two kids being home a lot for snow days during this quarter and how she manages it all. So sit back and enjoy this awesome conversation with Jessica Stansberry. Jessica, what's going on, girl? Hello. <laughs> I'm so
0: excited that you're here. Me too. I'm super excited. I just wonder what we're going to talk about today. Because I feel like our conversations have already... We've had like two and they're already like totally
1: off. I know. I say this all the time, but like, I, I what I should do is I should just start the darn recording as soon as Zoom comes up. Because some of this pre-chat, I'm like, oh man, that's gold. And like, man, I, that'd be cool if people could listen in on that particular thing. Totally.
0: Yeah. Sometimes we'll be like, Hey, can you tell that again? (laughs) Like,
1: hey, that story Stop right there. We're going to go into it, right? Totally. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm excited to have you on for a couple of reasons. I had the pleasure of finally meeting you at Social Media Marketing World 2018 in San Diego. And I had heard a lot about you before. I had sort of been like in the sphere with you, kind of like watching and all this sort of stuff. And I've admired from afar who you show up to be, which I think is the best way to put it. Just really authentic, really real. You do a lot of video marketing. You're visible on camera a lot. And you just teach some really great stuff. And I've just been really curious to get to know you a little bit better. That's one of the big benefits of having a podcast is I could be like, Hey, come on the show. And then I get to know you a little bit better, right? Totally a
0: selfish thing, right? Totally.
1: I mean, how often have you used your show to say like, Dude, I want to get to know you. Come on the show.
0: Oh, 100% all the time. (laughs) Like every guest. It's like, oh, I want to know them better. Yeah. Did
1: you ever have like the fangirl moment where you're like, oh my God, I'm such a fangirl of that person. So we're going to get them on the show. What was that? So,
0: I've had a couple. One, we had Melissa Griffin on. She was definitely one of my, like, you know, especially in like the early stages of business. She's like a step ahead of me. And so, like, I was like, wow, she's amazing. Like, let's have her on. But just recently, we had Christmas Abbott. And I don't know if you know who that is, but she is like a fitness mogul and she's big in CrossFit and she has like a bajillion. That's a number. A bajillion. (laughs) Instagram followers and she's whatever. I've followed her for years, but then she went on Big Brother this last season. Oh, wow. On that reality show, and we got her on the podcast. I had followed her for years, and then she was actually like, not only was she this fitness mogul that like, nobody knew who she was except for me, obviously. But then she was now on TV, like national TV. And we had her on the podcast. And I was like, I'm fangirling just a little. Thankfully though, with a co-host, if I do start like fangirling, I can just kind of like let her take it.
1: (laughs) Jacqueline, it's all yours now, girl. Come on. Take it over. I'm just going to sit here and be like, Oh my God. (laughs) So I wanted to bring you on specifically to really give a little bit of light. This is going to go on the Mompreneur series and... I really like saying that the mompreneur series is not just for mompreneurs. It's really my excuse, kind of like what I do for women. Like, it has nothing to do with those who are not women. It has everything to do with highlighting women and really giving right. women like a really great space in the spotlight. And I feel that way with mompreneurs too. Like, I just want to use this as an opportunity to honor women who are managing all of these things the business life, the family life, all of that sort of stuff, and doing what I consider from the outside. Pretty darn well. And so I think it would just be really interesting to find out a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. So, if you would give us kind of that moment when business started for you like, okay, I've got a business and I'm making money and go. Yes. So
0: it's actually really funny that you ask that because my business was born at the same time as my first kid. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I well technically I had businesses prior to this, but they were all like definite side hustles, didn't make much money at all. I had a photography business in the end of college into like early like corporate world. I mean, I loved it, but I didn't love it all at the same time. Like I liked taking pretty pictures, but like the actual act of like having to run a business I didn't love at the time them my degrees in advertising and design. So I have like a background in marketing and design and all of that stuff. So I did some like business card design and things like that. But when my first son was born, I was like, this job ain't worth nothing to me. Like I want to be at home with my baby. And that's what I did. So I went home and I just was like, I'm gonna freelance more. That was my plan. <laughs> I literally had no plan. I was just like, I'm gonna freelance more than I am right now. And it was great. It wasn't that much money, but it was great. And then I fell into the world of blogging. And and naturally learned how to design my own WordPress websites. You say that so smoothly,
1: <laughs> and I happen to know that that's not a smooth like. Oh yes, I just developed into this. I just, I just taught it. myself how to do WordPress websites. <laughs> you, you listening? No, you're like, oh my god, that right. is not a smooth process. But you did it. You taught I yourself. Did it. How. And
0: I did have the design background. And I also did have a couple of web design classes in college. So I wasn't g- totally like blind. You were kind of primed, right? Yes, you were primed yeah, for it. Totally. And I'm kind of a naturally technical person. Like tech does not scare me. I've taken apart computers and been like, Okay, this little thing that YouTube video says to do, I can do that. Now, I won't do it all the time. But I, I have done that kind of thing. But I just started offering it as a service because people were like, Oh, your blog is so pretty. I had a mommy blog at the time that
1: lasted like negative zero minutes. There's so much, there's so much out there for mommy blogs. So what did it start as? Like, I guess what I would really like to know, because blogging is this big giant term. So what did it mean to you at the time? Like, oh, I'm going to have this mommy blog. And then what did it really transition into?
0: Yeah. So I really just wanted to write. And I saw all these moms, like, Instagram wasn't a thing yet. Pinterest wasn't a thing yet. This was in 2010. And I saw all these moms, like, having these, like, successful blogs. And I'm like, I can do that. But the problem was my head wasn't in the game, it was just kind of there. And so it wasn't successful. So I just kept designing blogs for other people. I probably had, like, 12 of my own blogs in that time, like, from um, 2010 to 2013 was like, I made money. I had a web design business, but it was still kind of... I treated it like a hobby and a blog never came to fruition either. Like I just kind of rotated them out as I got tired of them. But then in 2015, I was like, you know what? This has got to become like serious. Because at this point, my second son was almost 2. And my husband was starting to have the conversation of, when you go back to work... Oh. Yes. (laughs) And I was like, who's going back to work? I'm not. And the thing was at the time, we definitely needed more money than I was making. Like I just wasn't making enough money to like sustain what we needed as a lifestyle. So I'm, I got like really serious about it in 2015. I was like, no, this is no longer a hobby. It's a business. Kept the web design business for a couple of years, but then also morphed into that infopreneur space. And I first morphed that way by teaching tech, so like systems, web design, WordPress tutorials, all of that stuff, because it was super natural. And then as I did that, it was very natural to teach those things with video because it's kind of hard to tell somebody what to do on their WordPress site without showing them what to do on their WordPress site. Right. That's how that morphed. So it was like, okay, well, great. I'm glad you gave me that tutorial, but how did you get this many views on this YouTube video? Or how, how did you get this to happen from this? And, So it just was a natural progression. And now I'm like kicking ass and taking names at the YouTube and video marketing thing.
1: At least I think I am. (laughs) I think you are too. I'm looking at your YouTube channel right now. If you look up Jessica Stansberry, and I'm going to have that link directly to your YouTube channel in the show notes, you've got 8,600 subscribers, 8,600 subscribers, which is nothing to sneeze at, you know? like You're kind of doing some great stuff. Yeah. And actually I have grown. So I had 500 subscribers at the end of June. You're kidding me. So as of this time that we're talking, we're looking at about nine months ago. Yeah, yeah. Wow, you have grown from 500 to 8,600 within about 9 months. Yep. It had taken me a year to get to 500 because I didn't know what I was doing.
0: It was haphazard. It was just kind of like throwing stuff up there, blogging occasionally, like throwing things up, throwing tutorials up. And then finally in June of last year, I remember... That's how I remember the number. I had like 492 or something subscribers. And I was like, you know what? I want to get really serious about this YouTube thing. And I put a call out in my free Facebook group and I said, Hey, can you guys push me over 500? As I'm actually like not a fan of using my free facebook group like that constantly like I, of course i'll like shout it out but i just was never in there constantly promoting it and they did so it and that was on the last day of june of 2017 and yeah as of march 2018 it's been over like 8000 people <laughs> since then
1: I am a really big believer and I've seen this over and over again, not only in my own business journey, but definitely literally with every single woman entrepreneur that I have either worked with one-on-one or who's in my masterminds or who's come to an event. There's this moment called we go from chaos to clarity. Yes. And in doing so, we get really intentional about what our actions are going to be and what results we want to produce. And that sounds like that's exactly where you were in June of 2017. I would love for you to walk me through that process. Like, what was that for you? Like, you saying, I'm going to get serious about this, like growing my YouTube, like that's different than what process did you actually take to get you serious? And then what were the intentional actions on the other end of that?
0: Yeah. So I've always had, well, not always, but since I transitioned into the infopreneur space, I had really decent numbers coming into my website, like decent page views and that kind of thing. And I was like, wow. In my blogging days, when I first started that mom blog, I wanted like all I had was like two views a month. Like I had nobody. And so to have thousands of eyeballs a month on my website, it was like, and I didn't even realize it happened. It just was what it was. And So what had happened was I was checking out my analytics one day and I'm a big YouTube follower of people myself. I'd been learning and kind of learning best practices and that kind of thing. But I was checking out my analytics and I had been putting up YouTube videos consistently for once a week for about a year at this point. No, about 6 months once a week. At this point, in June of 2017, but I wasn't optimizing the videos. I wasn't like I didn't care what they did. I just put them up there so I could have the embed code to put in my blog posts. Like that was the reason I put them on YouTube. And I started realize I started seeing my refers to my website, and like the second one was YouTube. And I'm like, what? There are people coming from YouTube. And I went and looked, and I had this tutorial from. I don't know how long before that, but like I had really long hair, which is really funny because I've had short hair for like a year, over a year now. And I had really long hair. It was one of my first videos. It was called How to Create and Sell a Digital Product. Well, it turns out... Yo Girl was ranking number one on both Google and YouTube for how to create a digital product.
1: Wow. And that
0: was sending like just crap tons of traffic to my site. And when I realized that, I was like, Oh my gosh. So if I can do this without optimizing, without doing the things I'm supposed to do, imagine what I could do if I was doing the things I was supposed to do. Right around that same time, there's a guy, his name's Tim Schmoyer. And he is a YouTube strategist. And he put out a call for an in-person, like intensive he was doing. And I was like, you know what? I want to go to this. Like, I definitely want to go. I need to learn more. I also want to establish a friendship with these people, especially if there was any chance I was ever going to morph into that world, that kind of thing. And I just kind of, I went with it. So, it was mostly seeing what could be done without doing it right that made me want to do it right. Set myself apart. Not everybody's on YouTube, you know, and everybody has a website, everybody has a Facebook group, everybody has an Instagram and a Facebook page, and, you know, all of these things. And I felt
1: like I could really set myself apart being like dominating on YouTube. I love that. Like that is the moment when I think that you can really go deep and make a big impact and produce some serious results in a short amount of time as noted here, right? Within nine months, you can grow ridiculously big. Because you're intentional, and because you're knowledgeable about what it is you need. So in addition to like, okay, go and optimize YouTube, which I'm sure has kind of a checklist, making sure you have keywords in the description, making sure you're linking back to certain parts of the website, like I, I'm making sure you've got annotations in the video, I mean, all of that stuff. So in addition to that, I would imagine that it also gave you a pretty clear view on like how you could then content market that way. Like maybe how you could tweak what you were putting up there. Tell me about that. Like, What what did it teach you about what videos you were now going to produce Versus, oh, I'm just going to produce videos once a week.
0: Yeah. So what I was seeing is that my audience was starting to shift what they were asking. So I had been putting up web design videos. My most popular video besides the digital product one was a tutorial on how to create a Gmail signature. That's pretty. Oh my god. I need that one. <laughs> yes, so look it up. But it's still one of my most popular videos. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to continue in this like systems space. Like that feels really good to me. But the thing with YouTube is that it needs to be searchable, you need to be the person showing up when someone's searching. So a lot of my content comes from my audience. They'll just ask things. We screenshot it and put it in Trello. I will like Voxer my team and be like, Hey, so-and-so asked this question. I want to do a video. Can you put it in the board? Just different things like that. But they'll come from them. But odds are, I have to twist it a little bit to make it YouTube friendly and Google friendly because people search for it a different way than they asked for it in my Facebook group. But... It started shifting and it started shifting towards the video content. Like, how do you get people to show up on your live videos? How do you convert people on live videos into email subscribers? All of that stuff. And so that's kind of where I shifted my content to. And then adding in like the YouTube strategy and things like that. And what's really cool is I'm a huge, huge believer in content marketing. Like, that's my jam. It always has been. And it's, like, I literally feel like at this point, I am doing it right because, like, I make money from my YouTube videos and I don't mean to. Well, not that I don't mean to, I did it on purpose, but like, I didn't set out that day to say, oh, somebody's gonna watch that video, get in through that opt in, and go onto my funnel and buy my thing. Like, I, that's not what I woke up that morning saying, but it happens anyway. And to see it happening, on autopilot, like that, just drives me more to just keep doing it because not that my website doesn't convert well, too. It does. I get found on Google searches a lot, but why not have all of those arms reaching out to like catch people where they are? Some people search on YouTube, some people search on Google, some people search on Pinterest. Like, I want to have an arm at every given point.
1: You talked a little bit about your Facebook group. Talk to me about how all of your what I call platforms. Okay. So your channel on YouTube, your Facebook group, your email list, your podcast with Jacqueline. We'll talk about that in a second. Like, Talk to me about how they all work together. Obviously, they all support each other. You are there. I am sure that you show up a little differently in each of those. But can you talk a little bit about how they support each other or how it all works together in your big business model?
0: Yeah. So used to, my whole funnel was to funnel people into my Facebook group. And it's not anymore because I want people going to YouTube. I had to change that to grow at the rate I wanted to grow on YouTube. So that's what I do now. So basically, my Facebook group and my Facebook page are all about engagement, all about positioning me as the expert, right? Like I go in, I answer the questions. My Facebook group is big enough now to where they answer each other's questions 99% of the time, but I jump in and get the ones that don't get answered or that I need to be the one answering. I'm going to position myself as an expert, but really everything feeds to YouTube because I know that that's what I want to grow. And by growing that my website grows because I'm pointing them to opt-ins from YouTube and all of those things. So I focus basically all of my platforms to YouTube. And then from YouTube filter into paid programs. Now, with the podcast, it's a horse of a different color because we each have our own businesses. Like it's not, you know, it's just not like my podcast for for my own liking. But, I mean, I feel like we do a good job of dividing and conquering and about 2 months a year, we actually only keep it to about 2 months a year. We plan out for me to be the guest expert And then Jacqueline to be the guest expert on a topic. And that is our month to really like market and sell, get people on the email list or wherever we want them from the podcast, which is really awesome. But essentially, I want people going to YouTube. And so that's where I point everybody to. I literally never, ever send anybody to my website ever, which is against everything I ever taught as a web designer (laughs) because I'm a firm believer in not building your house on rented land. And I'm aware that YouTube is rented land. You know, I don't own that platform. But I get people from YouTube back to the website. And it's worth it to me right now. That doesn't mean in 6 months or 8 months, I might change my strategy again. But right now, that's totally worth it to me. But then really, really what it all comes down to is getting them on my email
1: list. Right? Like, I want them on the list, and if YouTube is doing that job of really being able to be giving that content so that somebody's like, "Yes, I want more," I mean, that's that's a perfect entryway, let's say, to the house that you do then own, right? Exactly. Exactly. And I actually have a secondary podcast. I don't know if you knew this. I just recently launched
0: it in January. I don't remember when I launched it. but it is called Vidfluential on Air. It is basically just me. They're super short, quick, like 12 to 15 minute clips of me just talking about video strategy and content strategy. And that one, I don't point them to the YouTube channel unless there's something specific where I'm like, Oh, I talked about this on YouTube. I just point them straight to an opt-in on my email list. So really, the whole thing is going to the email list. But I'm using YouTube as almost like a speed bump to get there.
1: You know? What does your life look like right now? Like what... In this space of you're kicking ass and taking names. What does life actually look like for you right now? Your big focus is really getting people to YouTube, which I think is a really smart focus, like focusing on like a primary purpose and a primary driver to where you bring in everyone, right? And everything trickles down accordingly. But what does life look like for you in order for you to do all of that and sort of keep that engine running?
0: You know, it's really funny that you say I'm kicking ass and taking names because I hope it looks like that from the outside. Because... In January, it started snowing here, basically nonstop, and I have had my kids home more days than I've not had them home since January. It is the end of March. Just this month alone, yeah, you know, we were all a social media marketing world. I was there for almost six days total. I came home for four days and was gone to Wisconsin for three days, and so I lost the entire first half of March to travel. And then I came home, and my kids were out of school for four days because of the snow. And then I have this week, and they get out on Friday and they're out for Easter. So (laughs) that's how it's been since January for me. And I told my husband the other day, I was like, it feels like I'm just constantly like running this like hamster wheel of like, okay, I can almost do that thing. And then we have like a snow day. But really for me, it's just been, I've had to add more people to my team because I know what it takes to get my business where I want it to be. And if I can't do... Like if there's a list of 10 tasks to get me there and my main ones are step one and step two and somebody else can do three through eight, you know, and somebody else can do nine and 10, I would rather just pay the money and let them do it because I know it's going to produce way better than I am investing in anyway. And the thing about it is, is... With the videos, I do 3 times a week with the videos. We do twice a week with the podcast... With the All Up In Your Lady Business podcast. And I do once a week with my own podcast. So you are in content creation seriousness, right? Yes. Like it's ridiculous. So my videos are batch processed. I take whatever day I can find usually at this point. But it used to be scheduled out where it was like... 4 weeks ahead of time, I was doing 1 day of just batch recording. And then I would get them to my editor... And we would have four weeks worth of content. And then I, in three weeks, I would do it again. Right now, it's a little less than that far ahead just because my kids have been here all the time. And it's impossible almost to film YouTube videos with like a four year old running in and out of the room. My podcast is super batched, I batched like every episode through the end of April in January. So that one's like super batched. And again, I have a team who's editing and putting it up on iTunes and whatever, wherever else it goes. And then for our podcast, mine and Jacqueline's, we are getting batched. As of right now, we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants just because we've both been so crazy. But my new OBM, I was like, one of your tasks is to make me and Jacqueline get ahead on this podcast. Like I need you to just like, if I don't do it, you're going to come to my house and you're going to make me do it. Like, I don't know what else to say. And and so we are setting things in place to be able to do that, and we are hoping to get about 45 days ahead, which is awesome. But my biggest tip there is to batch because if I didn't already have those videos done and that podcast done, then my kids being home would throw me off even more than they already do. It already like throws off meetings or throws off like what I had planned to do that day. But if I was
1: having to add like to record a bunch of videos or to record podcasts into that, it would get insane. Just insight. You talk about one-on-ones and I know that you offer one-on-ones and I'm really interested to know like, what percentage of your business revenues come from, let's say, one-on-one versus the courses that you sell. And by the way, if you go to jessicastansbury.com, again, I will put that in the show notes. You have VidFluentialU, so you have a paid membership community. And then your course library, you've got a good like 10 different courses that are awesome, that are really great because it's you teaching all that great tech stuff that you had talked about, all the how-to, and then really using YouTube to be able to funnel all of that in. So give me some idea of like the pie chart of your revenues because I'm asking this because in the space of, for example, kids being home for snow days, that was a big clue to me that I was like, okay, how can I do this? Because if she's homesick, all of a sudden like... For back-to-back one-on-one meetings that I have tomorrow, I've got a finagle. And thankfully I work with a lot of women who are super gracious on that. But there's only so much that only I only want a certain amount of forgiveness on that. You know what I mean? So talk to me about sort of that pie chart and what then it really looks like for you when you do have to move some stuff around.
0: Yeah. So right now. First of all, I'm going to retire all those courses you see. They're all getting retired because they don't have to do with my current niche and mission in life. And I'm going to run a big sale and be like, get them now or they're gone forever. So, But I do still get sales trickling in from those. Actually, quite a few. So if we look at a pie chart right now, we're looking at about 20%. No, not 20%. Probably about 15% one-on-one work. About 10% from the podcast. From our affiliates, about 10% from my own affiliates, like through Amazon, YouTube money, like random things that I, you know, like random affiliates, probably about 10%. And then the remainder is courses in my membership. So I actually have like a solid, what's that, like 75, 70%
1: of the pie chart being passive, right? She's (laughs) saying that with air quotes. You can't see that (laughs) because it it does. I mean, it is a very nice business model and it also does require you to keep on updating, to keep there and, and being present with your community, with your paid community. Right. Exactly. And right now
0: the biggest piece of that passive income is my membership community and there's about 100 people in there which is awesome. But it's definitely still work. I'm still in there every single day answering questions. I'm still like I right today I had a co-working call. A couple days ago we had our Q&A call. So like there's still calls that go on throughout the month, but I have the flexibility there it's in my control to change them if I need to, con- you know, like I don't feel like I'm hurting someone because they're all recorded, they can go back and watch them if I need to change them. And I have the liberty to if I want to record an extra course to go in or whatever, to do that on a Sunday night or a Tuesday morning or whatever and not have to answer to somebody else's schedule. But yes, like I when I was a web designer and it was all one-on-one work and it was all calls and it was all all of this stuff, it was very hard to like Oh my gosh, my day just got exploded because the kids were home and all of this stuff. But now it feels, I mean, it's, of course, it's still crazy, but it feels less crazy than if it were all made up of one on one work. And I love a good affiliate income because I ain't doing nothing for that. (laughs) You know, I mean, I'm doing things in the front end, I'm creating the content, but then it just keeps coming and it's amazing. Like, if you haven't set up affiliates in your business, to the listeners listening, you totally. Totally should do that.
1: <laughs> so smart and not as hard as you would think. There's super easy ways to be able to go affiliate, whether it's you're recommending a book on Amazon or Audible or whether you're recommending a product there or a service or anything like that or a particular product or service provider that you use who will pay you an affiliate fee whenever you refer to them. Like it's There's so many different levels of being able to do that.
0: Yeah. And what I love is the affiliates that pay you monthly. ConvertKit is my favorite one for this. So we actually have them as a sponsor of the podcast and they're an affiliate sponsor. And we're one of their top 25 or top 20, I think, affiliates. And we literally get a sign up to ConvertKit through our link every single day. There's not a day that goes by that we don't. But we were putting out the content anyway. And we just plopped in an ad for something we loved and we do love it. And it's worked really well. And then yeah, I have random things like Amazon randomly pays me for random things. You know, I talk about mic equipment and camera equipment and lights and all of that. So when it makes sense, I pop in an affiliate link.
1: I would love to know maybe some tips or tricks that you've learned after these 7 years of being a mom. You have a 7 and a almost 5-year-old. And it sounds like the business was born 7 years ago as well, like in the serious manner, right? So I'd love to know tips and tricks that you might give to anyone listening about how to manage it. And I already know, and I don't expect that it's ever managed perfectly, nor is it ever balanced. But what have you really adopted that has worked for you so that you feel like you're kind of doing a, the best job that you could possibly do in all of those areas of life that are really important to you in this business that you are obviously very passionate about, in being a great mom and raising two amazing boys and being a great wife and having a really great relationship with your husband? Like, what has worked for you over all of these years to make all of those things jive? as well as you want them to.
0: Yeah, I think like you hit the nail on the head with saying like there's never a balance because there's just not. There will always be something that comes out ahead at any given season. Like I say, my kids have been at home for snow days for 14,000 years now. And I feel like they've had to be the thing that comes out on the top, on, you know, at the head of the monster. And... That means that we've pushed things back. I have pushed business things back. I have pushed launches back. I have pushed course creation back because I've not been able to do it. And that's okay for now because I know... Give it a couple weeks. The snow will be gone. I can really bust it out for a few months. And then we have summer and then it's just going to start again. But... I will say that embracing a schedule that works for you and not holding yourself to a standard of having to be just like the next person. So when we're looking at people who are successful and we're like, oh my gosh, like... She's so successful. Like, and I see on her Instagram stories that she wakes up at five a m and she works out and she eats her healthy breakfast and then she goes to work and she's done working at four and then she you know all these things, that person may not have kids. They have to fit into that equation, right? And so if right now that means you work at bedtime and you sleep in a little later in the morning and you have little tiny chunks of time while your kid is napping or playing contently or whatever, Just embrace that. Like, you kind of have to do that thing. And I'm also a huge believer in building a team and hiring things out and. Contracting things out because if it's going to take time, like if I'm going to have to take more time than it takes me to get my work done while my kids are at school to do something, and it's something that I don't need to be doing, like it's not like a Jessica has to be the face doing it, then I need to just be paying and passing it off because that will pay dividends in the future, right? Like that will totally come back to reward me later and I can be mom for a little bit. Now, does that mean that? sometimes my kids are home for a snow day and I didn't lock them in the room and play their Xbox while I like watch it. <laughs> done. No, I will totally admit that. <laughs> and, and you know what? It, it is what it is. And I think back to my mom, she was a working mom. She stayed at home with my little sister and babysat, but like basically my whole growing up, she worked. And so like, there were snow days, we went to our neighbor's house and waited for the bus. You know, like if there were random things that happened, like sometimes we went to my best friend's house and we waited there. And did I feel any less loved by my mom because she had to go to work Oh, no. oh! So I think that's the thing for me too. Is like to remember that our kids will love us anyway, as long as we're like feeding them and loving them. That's really all that matters. And that was a huge thing for me with like traveling. Was I need to start traveling for my business? I need to start doing these conferences. I need to start getting my name out there more. And oh, you know, I have to miss this basketball game or this conference happens to be the same time as my son's first soccer game. That was like an actual thing. My littlest one his very first soccer game ever in his life, I missed because I was at a business conference. But honestly, like you just have to embrace the fact that it's okay. He was three. There are 15 more years at the very least of me going to his games. And he won't even remember that I wasn't there for that
1: one. Yeah. I really liken it to like, do the best that you can in the moment because... and, And motherhood by more than anything has taught me this lesson. Because for example, especially as a newborn, you literally are living moment to moment of like, from nap to nap. right? Like, okay, is she okay? What does she need? And then obviously, like as they get older, that gets a little... It's more spaced out. But I've recognized that just in relation to my daughter, I cannot think about her entering school at the age of five because she's two and a half. And all I am thinking about right now is potty training. <laughs> and one of these days, I will get up the nerve to do it and being able to give her boundaries because she's testing boundaries now. like Literally, that's all I can think about. And if I try to think about the next stage or the next phase or the the next season of her life. like I just don't... I completely do myself a disservice. I think business is the exact same way. That's why I'm such a big fan of like, get yourself super focused in and like go. And then... Like Go with all of your heart, get those results, and then take a breather, look back up, and then recalibrate, get super focused back in again and go. It's like these short sprints. And that's how I feel like motherhood is. That's how I feel like business is. And in all of that, it literally is just do the best that you can and the next best thing that you can figure out for those moments.
0: Absolutely. And that's why I don't believe in like planning too far ahead with business. Like 90 days is kind of my cap. Like I'm not going to plan further than that because, like I say, this last 90 days has been a crapshoot for me. Like it just has. And I've just had to rework it. My content got done. People are still going through my funnels. People are still buying into my membership. People are still listening to the podcast. Like I'm growing subscribers on YouTube. You know what? Those are wins enough. Have I increased my income like I had planned to by? The end of Q1? No, but it's not like my income was bad and to begin with. So, like, you have to cut your losses. And I think we have to embrace the imperfect pieces of it all because we will never be the perfect mom. Like my oldest little boy never went to daycare. I kept him at home with me. It was very important to me that he was at home with me, that I was his caregiver. Whatever. With my second one, I was like, "Mm, I think I want to send this. He was crazy for one. He still is. <laughs> uh-uh. And I'm like, I think he could use some daycare. But my rule there was that like, I didn't want to send him to daycare until he was potty trained. Like I just, I didn't feel comfortable with it. Other moms did. That's okay. Like you have to do what feels good to you. And I was able to have like my dad step in a couple of days a week before he was old enough for daycare and all of these things. And now I get the funniest looks from people who one, I know you probably dealt with this too, but one, because I work from home, I'm in a tiny town where nobody knows anything about the internet, for one. For two, because I work from home, it's not like a cool, that's an awesome thing. It's it's more of all, oh, that's so cute. I'm so glad, <laughs> you know? Yeah, Here, like, hear... let me know when you grow up and get a job kind right. of a thing, right? <laughs> and then they hear that my youngest is in daycare, that I'm paying an astronomical fee for, and he's in like the best daycare in the county, and they're like, but you're at home. <laughs> like, yes, I am. Nothing about the sentence that just said, I work from home said, I don't work. <laughs> like I'm still working. I still have to get stuff done. And I just have to do it in the way that feels good to me. Oh, and by the way,
1: I potty trained both of my boys using the three-day method. Yes, I got it. Because so many women had in the business and babies group, so many women had recommended it. And I was like, I got it. I bought it literally nine months ago because technically she was probably ready then. And it's been me. Like I have been waiting to... I'm like, okay, when I'm ready, I'm going to read the book and we'll do it. It
0: was so easy. My little one was a little harder than my oldest one, just because he's more stubborn. But they were both trained in a weekend, literally. Like, oh my god! And you're giving me of, hope. Okay, cool. And out <laughs> Coming of pull up, up, I know totally. And out of pull-ups by a week. So <gasps> like, well, so you don't do pull-ups at all, but out of pull-ups at night by a week, like literally completely potty trained within a week at night and everything. So it was amazing. like I sent my little one to my dad's house the day after the three days and he did amazing. What?
1: I love see I'm just gonna have the positive attitude about it. Like, dude, I can I can do this that's kind of
0: so this is how I go into things in life. Like I'm not like a time waster. Like I'm a big like I love efficiency and like being like, okay. So when I started to potty train, I was seeing my friends like Take like months, like, oh yeah, she's potty training. And and, and the next time I would see them, oh yeah, she's still potty training. And I'm like, no, like, I don't want to do that. There has to be a better way. And there is, which is that method. And both of them totally trained. We woke up one morning, said no more diapers. They had like the chart. You'll read about it. It's like a chart and stickers and a timer. And by the end, they were wearing underwear and there was never another diaper ever. And it was amazing. Like, I did that with our dog. (laughs) We bought a (laughs) <laughs> when we got a puppy, I was like, all right, I literally blocked off like a week and a half to two weeks on my calendar where it was only the necessity things. And I house trained that dog in a week and a half. Like I was like, doing it.
1: I I'm will doing not. It. Yeah. And I do that with everything. This is not a choice. This is like, a thing. You just decide. I, that's the exact same is true for like your mindset and business. It's like, you just decide that you're going to do it and then you do it. And there's no other option other than just doing it and seeing the results that you want. Exactly. And that's why I know I'm very clear that the pottery training has not happened because I have not made that decision yet. Oh, so I'm with, like, okay, yeah. Totally. Yeah. With my um, oldest, my youngest was born when my oldest was 2
0: years and 9 months. And he totally was ready to potty train, but I had an infant. There was no way I was going to potty train with an infant. I mean, we waited probably three months. He was just before he turned three when we potty trained him. And we waited longer than we probably should have. But I was just like, I have an infant attached to my boob. Basically like every turn of the clock hand, you know, like (laughs) there's no way I can possibly potty train him right now. So I waited until a weekend my husband was home, like a long
1: weekend. And we just cracked it out. That's not to say we didn't clean poop and pee out of the floor. There you go. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the gig. I'm going to start making the chart of why... This uh, This is probably like a uh, subconscious reason behind the Mompreneur series. But I'm going to start making the chart is like, what is equitable in the life of parenting or mom versus what's equitable in the life of business? Because there are so many ridiculous parallels. So, oh, many. so
0: absolutely. many. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Oh, Jessica, I feel like you and I could talk for eight hours. I really, really appreciate you being here, sharing so much about your journey, really digging into video marketing. And I'm really excited to share how you intentionally grew and what that is all about. There's so much good stuff here. And I just really, really thank you for being here and sharing. Thank you for having me, Katie. I've loved it. Some of my coaching clients come to me because they are so incredibly determined to get to that next phase of their business and they just need some help doing it. Some of my clients come to me because they are so overwhelmed and in the throes of chaos and they come to me for focus and clarity and intentional strategies. But overall, all of my clients come to me because they crave to do more To show up more in line with who they are and what they love to do in this world in a way that gives them the business that they love. Some people call me a business coach. Some people call me a business strategist. Others call me their business therapist. Whatever kind of support you need, that is what I am here to provide. If you are ready to get your business to the next phase that you know you are ready for, or you are so done with all of that chaos and overwhelm and you're ready to make some serious moves and push through that chaos, then let's chat. Right now, I have three spots open for private clients. And if you are ready for the clarity and the results and ultimately the joy that comes along with the customized support, then working privately with me might be exactly what you need. Go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash Katie and go schedule a free 15 minute match session so that you and I can get on a call and make sure we are the perfect match.